Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to this semi-episode of Seriously. We've had a big news thing in the UK this morning, haven't we, Caroline? Yes, the Prime Minister, completely out of nowhere, just walked out of Downing Street and called an election, which we weren't expecting to happen for another three years. Yeah, and it's happening in, like, two months. Mm-hmm. So that was a big shock for our news desk this morning. Caroline, you've been very busy putting together a political magazine around the subject, which is actually your full-time job. Seriously, listeners might be surprised <laughs> to know. <laughs> yes, so instead of being able to bring you the episode that we had planned, we are now going to play you our one wonderful friend special that features lots of our friends and colleagues and that we hope you will enjoy this week. Hello. Hello. It's a seriously special. We know you love them. Caroline, right now in real time, you're like somewhere enjoying the sunshine. You're not really here. I'm not really here. That's why you can hear me talking. (laughs) (laughs) It's all an illusion. So for the first episode of your holiday, we're giving everyone a Friends special, which is super exciting because we've been wanting to do a special about Friends for ages, haven't we? Yeah, ever since we started the podcast, it's been like top of the list of stuff we wanted to do. Like everyone knows Friends. Even my mum seems to think that she's seen like every episode of Friends going, which I don't think is true. But, you know, everyone and their mother literally has seen Mm. several episodes of Friends. So we know that you're all going to be full of detailed knowledge about the show. And it's also back in the news at the moment, isn't it? Because some of the cast are coming back together for a special on TV without Matthew Perry because he's doing a play in London. But it seems like there's going to be a slight reunion. Yeah, it's not a proper, like, new episode or anything like that, but it's a kind of celebration thing, isn't it? Yeah. That, they're, they're all coming together for it, bar Matthew Perry, as you say. But it's it's never really gone away. No. I mean, I feel like, in the UK at least, it was on Channel 4 while it was coming over, you know, new episodes were coming over to the States, and then as soon as... And then for years afterwards. And then as soon as it finished, it, they just went right back to the beginning and started again. And then, um, it was an E4, and now it's on Comedy Central, and they're just... It just goes round and round and round and round. It's kind of hard to imagine flicking through channels and not finding one that had Friends on. But it's interesting to see how much has changed since Friends was on. Both how, like, television has changed since Friends. Yeah. Because it was, like, such a massive yeah. event for the TV industry. It was so successful, made so much money, etc. But also 
like how our kind of watching habits and our kind of ways of judging choices that TV makers have made have changed. Like you look back at Friends and the classic thing everyone says is like, why are they all white? Mm, That's yeah. weird. <laughs> in New York, mm. in yeah, the mid 90s. Weirdly, how much stuff we still see the same on TV. Mm. Like the parallels between Friends and so much of the programming that we watch now are huge because Friends was actually not that traditional when it first aired, right? No, but now it is. Now you're still seeing, and we talk about this a bit later, like there's, there are still shows on television now that you can just tell executives were like, make we it like Friends. friends. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? That's the new Friends. And that's kind of astonishing. Yeah. So enjoy this. We've got contributions from some people that you'll remember from other Seriously Specials and, you know, the New Statesman podcast, etc. if you're listeners of that. So we've got our dear friend Stephen Bush, Helen Lewis, Barbara Speed, Stephanie Boland, Anoush Shakilian, and John Elledge. We talk about a whole range of different things. We talk about the like, politics and political correctness of it, or otherwise we talk about the kind of economic moment that gave rise to you know people in their 20s living in a way that could be in a sitcom. We talk about its, its legacy as television and how it kind of changed the industry and shaped what other stuff is on screens. And we also talk about personal issues we now have with friends that we didn't the first time round. <laughs> yeah. We start off me talking to Barbara Speed and Stephen Bush about Red Ross. Hi. Hi. What's wrong, buddy? Someone at work ate my sandwich. Well, what did the police say? My Thanksgiving leftover sandwich. I can't believe someone just ate it. Ross, it's just a sandwich. Just a sandwich? Look, I am 30 years old, okay? I'm going to be divorced twice, and I just got evicted. That sandwich was the only good thing going on in my life. Someone ate the only good thing going on in my life. It's a nice sweater vest. Now I'm here with Barbara and Stephen to discuss Ross, a.k.a. the worst. Ross is the worst. This is a, a topic that has not gone ignored since friends was airing we found a really great tumblr didn't we called ross is the worst yeah. .com, which just lists like all of his terribleness from every episode yeah uh, i mean it's working its way through it's only up to season eight so far so the worst is yet to come in my <laughs> opinion i do think ross starts out at his absolute worst at the beginning i while re-watching friends compiled a document which you might call a rossier of all of Ross's worst. That's it there. Yeah. yeah. Worst behaviour. The peak of his bad behaviour is season two, although the first joke he tells in the very first episode is designed to belittle one of the other friends and pull attention back to him, Ross. What is that joke? The Rossier, to be honest, in some areas the detail is, is, is perhaps is excessive. <laughs> in some cases it's a little thin. I think okay. the weird ownership over Rachel than he exerts right from the beginning is just so queeze-making. Early on in season two, when they're not together, he stops people hitting on her. Like, yeah. he goes in and, like, defends her and then kind of expects her to be grateful for defending her. That is a thing that Ross seems to have a general problem with because he, he often gets upset with people, like that whole bit where Joey gets with that roommate 
figure and the time that Joey, who's Joey's going to go out with Charlie and he really hates that as well. Like yeah. he's very much like, oh no, these are my people that you're not allowed to like have interactions with at all, which is kind of psycho behavior, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, he's angry that Rachel gets to two weeks into their relationship. A year after breaking, <laughs> she breaks up with Paolo, he shouts at her in their room for ages about whether or not Paolo was better in bed. Oh is. yeah, that is so weird. <laughs> yeah, um, and also counts at another point how many times exactly they had sex. Yeah, to and tell also, the man who when they're buying a sofa. Is yeah, that a, yeah. Oh, and God. also after they've broken up, tells Rachel that he still thinks about her like naked, and there's nothing she can do about it. Which that is, is so horrible. For she's someone like, you want to be your friend, I mean, obviously people do terrible things to their exes, but considering they're still one of each other's best friends. That seems like a particularly dick move. Yeah, yeah the whole conversation is like, oh, you know, I'm a human person who you don't, like, just get to sexualise. And he's like, oh, 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 I shut my eyes, I did it again, I sexualised you, oh. got it. You're like, Ross. The, the worst bit is, of course, the Mark incident. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. We should go on for days about the Mark incident. includes the most terrifying... No, I think the most terrifying line is when, after he's cheated on her... And uh, she's like, I want you to go. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay. And she's like, please, I want you to go. And he refuses to leave. And he's just like, oh, this is creepy. But he turns up at her place of work when she's busy. And she's like, I can't hold out. I have a crisis. Well, I have couscous. And he's like... No, you can't. You, <laughs> you can't, can't do, don't this get to do that. Can you imagine if it, like that happened in your actual workplace? You'd just be like, "No, no, you're gonna like get me in trouble. Yeah. Go away." Can we talk about a slightly left field Ross trope, which is like his struggles with food and drink, in which he thinks that his struggles with food and drink are incredibly important. Like he like gets the wrong coffee at one point, and he's like, "Why do terrible things always happen to me?" <laughs> and then he like tries to have this Mexican night where everything goes wrong, and he cannot cope. And there's oh, obviously yeah. the sandwich incident where someone eats his sandwich and he's he's like this is the only good thing I had in my life and someone's eaten it and it's like there's no better symbol of a self-obsessed but like first world man who like his biggest problems all center around food yeah it's so massively like oh you're everyone else on this planet serves to nourish me yeah it's like my couscous is more important than your than your work, Rachel. Also, no like self-respecting man should refer to anything as a moist maker. No, <laughs> I think I also think that sandwich sounds disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Side point. Leftover sandwiches oh. are grim. But yeah. the the interesting thing, and in some ways a slightly troubling thing, and this is why I think ultimately he is going to kill Rachel at some point after series ten. Is, is that your grand theory? This is my grand theory. This is why uh, there will never be a Friends movie because actually the planned reunion is not really. A, it's a clip show. It's it's not it's not a canonical Friends reunion episode. Um, right. so However, it... Matthew Perry isn't turning up. Is this because Ross has killed Chandler in the run-up to his murder of Rachel? Yeah, I mean, maybe he's going to escalate one by one. But... Maybe Chandler looked at Rachel wrong. And, uh... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and I think the worst thing about the... Because I guess we do have to discuss the they were on a break question. I mean, do either of you think he... He cheats on every single one of his girlfriends, is that not yeah, correct? Yeah, exactly. Once someone... a cheater, always a cheater. I'm with Ross's mum on this. Yeah, for someone who like claims to be this geek who women screw over, who really does act like a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a player. Yeah, he's like, he's basically that whole exchange is about him being like, my emotions are the important ones here, and like, I didn't really want to cheat on you, and I like, didn't really like this other person, so whatever feelings you might have about this incident don't matter because think, mine are the important ones. I think it's more yeah. sinister than that. He knows, this is the thing, for all like we were on a break, he knows it's a... If you didn't think that it was a problem, you would have, like, when you got back together, gone, like, full disclosure, 
He runs all over town trying to kill off the story. <laughs> I thought you were going to say to kill off the woman <laughs> that he slept with. No, yeah. yeah but... He goes around telling everyone, you know, yeah, don't, yeah. don't tell anyone I Betrayal. did Betrayal. That's okay. the weird sort of midnight bark episode of Friends where he like runs around every single like person who might have ever known yeah. this woman. And he lies to Carol about what's happened. He knows that the we were on a break line is not actually sustainable. Yeah. It's he... not... From the moment that he gets the voicemail... He's like, oh God, take your shoes, get out of my house. This is really, really bad. Like, he knew it was bad the whole time. I guess the only the only thing you can say in his defence is that maybe he thought she was actually breaking up with him. And yeah. then when he got the call, was like, oh fuck, she wasn't. But, but that equally, doesn't seem likely. He doesn't allow her to have any problem with this, despite the fact that he holds the fact she's had other boyfriends as a grudge. Yeah. So, like, he gets really angry about Paolo consistently, despite mm. the fact they were not by any stretch of no imagination together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's also just like, the, the idea that you might know other men who you've never even had a relationship with yeah it's exactly. stressful to me and there's quite a good so one of the best entries in the, um ross is the worst tumblr is a, the episode where it turns out rachel had a kind of like a lesbian kiss at university oh, yeah, and they've called it um, the one where ross feels the need to impose his heteronormative viewpoint on the group while at the same time making <laughs> rachel's collegiate lesbian experience all about him so he just thinks her entire romantic history is Back played out in relation yeah. to him, yeah, and then so is bad. really shocked that she's annoyed that he just slept with someone else while they were essentially still together. Yeah, and like to add insult to injury, the fact that he couldn't even bother to listen to her feelings by reading the letter. Like, obviously, that's meant to be like a funny joke that he fell asleep while reading the letter, but literally, he just doesn't care. Like, he was bored, he fell asleep, he doesn't but, care but about that. That whole plotline when they get back together briefly in that time is like Ross at his most dark. I mean, like, the weird thing where we're meant to think that, like, Bonnie or whatever her name is has become unattractive because she has no hair. Yeah, when actually she's just, like, a clear stunner. Yeah. It's... <laughs> a Natalie Portman scenario there. Yeah. Um, once again, it's that he cheats on every woman he's with, but he doesn't even, like... Oh, it's just so... It's so discomfortable. <laughs> so have you heard of the soft boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this, like, idea of, like, a, 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 a guy who is so caught up in his own feelings that he cannot see that he's being a dick. And I think that Ross Which is might men. be... Yeah, and I think Ross is that, like, I think his, like, complete upset over tiny things like food kind of shows that he just thinks his feelings are so important about every issue that he can't even conceive of the fact that he's being terrible. The interesting thing with Friends, though, is it feels deliberate. Scrubs, which I think is much less good, you know, partly because of the the dip in quality is much More more pronounced. JD is obviously a kind of really horrible boyfriend yeah and just a real actually a pretty and another horrible paranoid friend. kind of like overly sensitive yeah but disregarding of other people's feelings character yeah but i feel that the writers of scrubs don't seem to be as a it's mainly like oh we needed a comic whatever where he's like interested in another one so he can have another like one of his mm. weird montage fantasy things whereas the stranger thing in friends is the script is completely aware of how troubling ross's behavior is there's a bit when phoebe says when he's worried that Emily may leave him because he's hanging out lots with Susan. Wow, Carol turned you into a bit of a monster, didn't she? You know, you're so clingy. And she's lists still blaming all, a woman, though. Lists, <laughs> lists all of the, the things he's done. There is a, when the, in the episode where Ben Stiller is Rachel's angry boyfriend and all of the rest of them are like, oh yeah, Ross is bothered by someone Rachel's going out with. What a <laughs> shock. Yeah, yeah. And we're repeatedly shown how uh, the Geller parents spoiled and cosseted Ross. So the slightly troubling thing is Ross's slightly psychotic behaviour is not 
an accident of the writing. It's something which is repeatedly acknowledged and explained by the writers. So what do we think that means then if in the end we're like, oh, I'm so glad that Rachel didn't get on the plane and follow her dreams. (laughs) I'm so glad she returned to her controlling boyfriend. You wonder if there was a discussion about that because I think people see it as a really open, closed kind of romance in the stars yeah classic tv relationship but i don't think it's that clear because i mean they make him behave terribly to the extent where you almost think they're trying to convince you no this they're not meant to be together and it doesn't matter if she was like popular in high school and he was a geek he's actually still just horrible (laughs) he's a mark zuckerberg figure the interesting is his behavior does improve in the final seasons my instinct is the reason why some foolish people believe Phoebe is the worst friend is as the writing quality dips a bit, Phoebe is the source of a lot of conflict and her character becomes Phoebe does something crazy in service of a joke or to move the plot along. And by the end, Ross is just like a boring, slightly nerdish character. He also does act quite well over the birth of Emma. So I think the period in which they're kind of living together and they're not together, he actually isn't that bad and she gets quite upset by him dating and things are just on a much more even keel I think and I mean he gets quite angry about the whole Joey accidentally proposing to Rachel thing but again that he does not act in the way that season two Ross would have acted but that is is that not also the time of the plotline where he hates the hot male nanny yes but that's well this is a separate thing that I think that there's his his relations with Rachel which do get better and also I think that we can kind of excuse a little bit more a character who acts psychotically because of their feeling for another character but I also think his the way he treats his other friends is also, also just really awful <laughs> like he gets really angry when Joey kisses his hot new flatmate despite the fact that Ross has no <laughs> relationship with this woman Never whatsoever met her before, and, he, he, and Joey lives with her yeah he acts fairly terribly at Chandler and Monica's wedding and starts crying because they've had a successful wedding in which no one was yet gay or really drunk and he's like you did it the first time and it's like being and very sorry for him and the bagpipe playing on yeah the he tries to play bagpipes <laughs> at their wedding even though they don't want him to and actually I mean people's boyfriends often are terrible but why would you put up with a friend like Ross yeah that's so true I don't know what do, so how long do we give it before Ross murders Rachel after the end of season 10 I think so crudely, I think Ross is the kind of man who expects regular sex and probably thinks of it as an entitlement. I think things will be fine. Oh my fine God, this is getting so Emma, dark. Emma's getting quite old by the end of the show, right? <laughs> I think it's when the second baby happens. You know, Rachel will be tired. Let's face it, how much childcare is Ross really going to do? He <laughs> sees his son do you like when once he a season. He tries to make one margarita, has a breakdown <laughs> and goes to bed. <laughs> He starts parenting a pumpkin instead of his own child again. <laughs> Gets another monkey. Yeah. yeah, he'll get really cranky. Um, there'll be some, like, hot teacher or hot nanny or some other man that Ross will feel threatened by. Or Rachel will have to travel more for her job because he'll obviously want to move to, like, the sticks. And then he'll beat her to death. Um, I think it'll be a kind of quick sudden thing, yeah, like he'll like, you know, accidentally like grab a blood instrument. But also I think that his erratic behaviour will increase and won't be caught by people at work because he now has tenure. But will will they not spot the return of Red Ross? I think they will, but there's less they can do about it. So I think that things will spiral out of control because he won't be checked in another arena mm. of his life. Also, then... do you think Ross is going to tolerate being paid less than his wife? I mean, ultimately, no. like he's a, he's a professor of, of um, oh God, paleontology at a museum in New York. His wife is like a hotshot fashion, whatever. Their incomes 
yeah. the end they might be equal, but that is not going to... He is not going to be the kind you of... You know, he's going to be the kind of man that wants her to be constantly pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. As a controlling mechanism. Yeah. Oh my exactly. god, it's all so disturbing. Yeah, he's going to pl- flush her pill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably end it there. <laughs> anyway, Ross, the worst. The worst. <laughs> this the has worst. been a discussion. <laughs> Do I dare ask? Yes, I'll start with the carpaccio and then I'll have the grilled prawns. That sounds great. Same for me. And for the gentleman? Yeah, I'll have the Thai chicken pizza. But hey, look, if I get it without the nuts and leeks and stuff, is it cheaper? <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> Miss? Okay, I will have the uh, side salad. And what would that be on the side of? I don't know. Why don't you just put it right here next to my water? And for you? Um, I'm going to have a cup of the cucumber soup and, um, take care. And now John and Helen are here to talk about friends and money and work, which if you've watched the early episodes of Friends again recently, you'll know that they don't ever really seem to go to work, do they? But yeah, but I think that's one of those things you just have to accept. It's sort of the thing, like, there's a bit that Joss Whedon says about Buffy, which is when you do a kind of supernatural show, you're allowed to change one thing and then everything else has to be plausible. Mm. I kind of think this is the one thing that you, you just accept that Friends would be quite dull if they only saw each other once every kind of three weeks. And in real life, mm. who has friends that they see that much? That's weird. That would be weird people. I think yeah. it is a science fiction show. It's a science fiction <laughs> show set in a parallel universe in which an unemployed actor can afford to rent an apartment in Greenwich Village. Well, cause so this is the point, isn't it, right? So Friends is very much kind of the first big show that puts this moment in history on screen. This moment where 20-somethings are suddenly a thing. You didn't just go from kind of living with your parents, going to high school, maybe going to college, then settling down, getting a family home and having a family. Suddenly you were kind of living this this extra bit in your 20s where you lived with other people your age in a sort of flat share arrangement and you didn't necessarily have the job that you thought would be your career. That was the think piece that was... I, you know, you're not old enough to remember... John and I are old enough to remember Friends think pieces, but that was the big think piece that everybody wrote about, the fact mm. that, that just like the creation of the teenager in the kind of 1950s, this was the creation of the 20-something. So you left college or you know you left your parents' house... And there was now a full decade. And it's one of the things when they've been talking about a reunion that they say, actually, the magic of it is that that specific time of your life, it always aimed to capture one specific time of your life. And actually, you're just not friends with the same people once you've all got kids. And that's what I think the later Mm. series suffer from that is that they're trying to still shove people into that kind of mid-20s friendship box when actually they ought to have moved on. It actually becomes, as I think you see with, with Joey, it becomes a bit tragic. Like what's, you know, sort of tooling around trying to be artistic and creative in your 20s is, is kind of okay. If you, like if, if Joey is still Joey in his 50s, then that is a person who's lived quite a sad life. I'm sorry yeah. to ruin it. No, no, it's true. And he, he, he's still going on the same sort of like not really going anywhere dates at the end of the series that he was right at the very beginning. Which but and, and still trying to do a career that he's not any good at. I yeah. think that's the point. Really it, that no one has said to him, maybe let it go, Joey. Yeah, because this is the is kind of like you say the great alteration is that they don't ever really go to work. It, they they do play with this occasionally though. I I can't remember which episode it's in, but there's definitely one where they're all sitting around in the coffee shop and one of them goes like, "Oh, why do I never have any money?" And one of them says, "Maybe it's because you're all sitting around here at eleven a.m. on a Tuesday morning," and they all leap up and like dash off to go to work. But that's that's played for laughs. I mean, the the other way 
in which Friends is very much of its time is there is kind of a change in our attitudes towards the city and mm. urban living that, that happens in the 90s that you sort of see in all the statistics. If you look at sitcoms from the 70s and 80s, they're all set in the suburbs. And in the 90s, suddenly people That's want true. to live Roseanne in Roseanne is all of them kind of going bowling and them getting in their truck and going yeah. places. But you, it's not just Friends. You also get this in Seinfeld. You get Caroline in the city. In Britain, you've got this life. Suddenly, like the idea of being 25 and living in an apartment downtown is aspirational in a way it's not been before. And this is actually reflected. If you look at the statistics, people start living in city centres again in the 90s. I don't mm. know whether sitcoms are cause or effect here. But there is definitely sort of a change in, in the attitude there. But um, it also takes people out of their family structures as well. And I think that's one of the really interesting things. So Friends starts, Ross's wife has just left him. She's yeah. just left him so for he's someone. returning to the sort of 20-something so life, isn't he? He's back on the dating scene he didn't yeah. think he would be. And then, you know, he goes, I just want to be married again. And then Rachel walks in in her wedding dress and Chandler goes, and I just want a million dollars. And that's the thing is that she has consciously rejected a, a continuation of that suburban life with Barry, the mm. orthodontist. Mm. And, and they've all broken away. And that's And I think Rachel's story is really interesting because she is, for those first few seasons, kind of poor little rich girl mm. learning to actually reject one you know a comfortable way of life in which her parents would have given her everything she would have but she, obedience would have been kind of demanded of her and, and becoming an independent person with all the difficulties that, that is and that's the thing that you know you don't see very much of people's families they have to bring them in later because they're just i presume at that point like desperate also if you're having weddings it's kind of weird yeah. if you don't bring in people's parents but that never that never really works for me seeing it's really odd to see Monica and Ross's parents, for yeah. example. You're used to seeing them as independent people, not as members of, of generations of families, mm. I think. But the, the point about Rachel rejecting all the money, I think, is a really good one. Because that's not a tension that's very often explored in Friends, right? The fact that you've got... I mean, God knows what Chandler's job is, but it happens in an office and he seems to have enough money to basically subsidise Joey. So something we assume... Something goes to Tulsa. Joey <laughs> accidentally ends up going to Tulsa. So we assume it's something kind of boring, like a data analyst for a big company or something like that, right? So he has a lot of money. Ross is somehow a tenured professor, even though he doesn't... There's a lot of money in anthropology. Even though he doesn't seem to often go to work or yeah. really succeed at anything, but whatever. And then, who's the other one who has money? Monica so, is a shit. Monica, Monica cycles in and out of... Um... So, but in the early series, anyway, she's got like a steady job at a chef in a Manhattan restaurant, so you assume that must pay Which enough. also raises questions about what she's doing hanging around a coffee shop rather than being stuck in the kitchen. I know, yeah. the only yeah. chef who doesn't work 9,000 hours a day. But I know but, what you mean, and it's very rarely explored, except, and actually I think it doesn't particularly work when it is explored. So that one episode, the one with five steaks and an eggplant, features a gig, they all get gig tickets to go to Hootie and the Blowfish. For somebody's birthday, isn't it? Yeah, and, and then and, the, and it's that thing that happens often in friendships in your 20s. Like, one person says, let's all do this together, and some people have to kind of go, well, actually, I don't have any money. And it becomes... Mm. A bit, I think the reason that they don't normally explore it is because it can often become such a sore spot in friendships. Like, you all go for a shared meal, and someone goes brightly, let's just divide up the cost. And they have this occasionally in Friends where, it, where someone's just had a side salad. Like, yeah. And, and they don't want to have to, uh, to chip in. But mostly that's, that stuff is quite uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the reasons that they try and shy away from it. Mm. It's also not clear how they can afford those apartments at all. I mean, I think it's... it's Isn't it suggest- rent control? Isn't this when... Yeah, I mean, it, it's suggested that Monica... Labour rent control. Has, Monica has effectively inherited a rent-controlled apartment from her grandmother, I think. Yes, it's like yeah. it's been passed down the generation. It's actually quite a good argument against rent control <laughs> that it kind of locks in the already privileged. So but, is Ugly Naked Guy, presumably, because he doesn't seem to work. He just spends a lot of time sleeping on his sofa until they get yeah. poking with the long poking device. Yeah, you, you assume he must have a job? 
I don't know. I don't think or, or just, yeah, a, a, a relative who lucked out, really. But that's interesting in the sense of you saying it's a show about city, because I guess primarily for budget reasons, you see far less of New York than you do, for example, in Sex and the City. Sex and the City really feels like it's a show about New York. And there is more about it, like you have well, to Friends live in Well, Friends is a... not filmed in New York, is it? It's... Do they film it on a soundstage it was, in it's, LA? It's all on sets in LA, I think. Um, and so that's why you see the exteriors. So like outside Central Park is a set, like it's a whole street that they built as a set. And so the exterior shots are the kind of interstitial bits with the music because they they have the people in. But I think the way that kind of moves to your argument is that it becomes then a generic urban show rather than any yeah, specific thing it's... about in, in New York in the 90s. Yeah, it's a show about living in a city, yeah. not specifically New York. Well, occasionally when the guys go to like a sports team or something it's a new york sports team the knicks that's the one but um <laughs> that's and, my no- and they do like it is joey is very specifically from queens like that is but but i guess i guess the thing. point is you could transplant it to chicago or la or wherever it is yeah. without needing to change that much in a way you couldn't do exactly and they city. never say things like oh my god new york in winter is so cold or oh my no. god new york in summer is so stifling and impressively hot that there's not that kind of texture that will come from being in a, an, well they're a, not a, british so they probably they don't talk yeah. about the weather at all really well it doesn't one of them goes to um one of phoebe's boyfriends goes to minsk at one point and they say that must be really quite cold and you think yeah but you know new york is also colder here la yeah. is not obviously yeah that's interesting actually that would friends work if it was in any other city and i think you're right it probably would I, but i think it i think john is exactly right it happens in a sort of in in a generic earth city mm. it happens in in 90 it doesn't it is a science fiction show in the sense that it happens in 90s urbansville and that's true actually that when when i was younger and watching it it made me think america was cool it didn't necessarily make me think new york specifically was cool it made me think that I mean, I was a teenager when it was on. It made me think that city living was cool mm. in the same way that some of those other shows I met, like particularly This Life. That was my vision of what life was going to be like in my 20s. Is it? Uh, well, I'm 35 now. Was so, it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm still kind of clinging on to the centre of London with my bare hands. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of, this was what I imagined the future to be. And that vision wouldn't have been there sort of 10, 15 years earlier. Mm. But I also think it's, yeah, that's why it begins to feel quite sad almost by the end. That they're, they're, it begins to feel like they're trapped in that life. Yeah. Um, Shut like, up. No. I, I, I really like living in London. I'm married. Everyone's fine. But you know what I mean? They, 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 like even just stuff that I feel like I'm sort of slightly infantilized by, like the fact that I don't drive. You very rarely see them driving because they live in a supposedly they live in a city and they would just presumably just catch the subway everywhere. Yeah. Um, and even when they do, it's in like Phoebe's grandmother's cab. So it's like yeah. very specifically a kind of of the city vehicle that they then take out to but none of wherever. them own like none yeah. of them, and then that's when the, that's where you get that bit at the end where Monica and Chandler move to the suburbs and they all kind of go oh now it's suburb time yeah. like, you know our life is over that that part of our life is, is over it's intimately connected with the idea of living in, in the inner city I mm. think I feel really old now <laughs> yeah and it's it's made me sort of think was Friends kind of subliminally creating desires in me that I can never fulfil economically I mean was it making me think that I could ever afford to live in a place like that? But yeah, no, you are never going to have any of that stuff. Oh, that was depressing. Thanks, Caroline. <laughs> You're welcome. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is me. Here, these are my parents, um, Judy and Jack Geller. It's lovely to meet you. So are you his mother or his father? What? I've never seen one before. Yeah, there's Ross. Why don't you go talk to him? I didn't even have a chance to act as though I'm okay with it. So now we're going to talk a little bit about how Friends has dated since the 90s in terms of its political correctness. That's one of the first things I feel like people talk about with Friends is when you're like, oh yeah, looking back, do you remember all those jokes that now seem a bit mm. dodgy? I think, I don't know why this is the first one that springs to my mind, but Fat Monica, like... Fat Monica seems pretty tasteless to me now that it's just like hilarious that when Monica was young she was fat because now she's like skinny and acceptable. Yeah, and there's that awful episode where they look back at Thanksgiving and Chandler thinks Monica is is gross when he goes to visit Ross's family for Thanksgiving because she's fat and then the next year she's thin and he Mm -hmm. wants to try and seduce her. And that's a really stark example of how that joke is just so jarring and quite offensive but i think that a lot of the stuff that we now are less comfortable with including that actually stems from the weird insecurities of the male characters because of the thing of like discomfort around fat women is actually quite a lot to do with chandler's reactions to monica that's how they kind of play it off yeah Um, and then also the constant thing of them being worried that people think they're gay so there's a whole Mm. episode where someone at chandler's work thinks he's gay and then people say oh you've got a quality of being gay and oh, then yeah, he freaks yeah. out about it and then there's another episode where someone in- intimates that Ross might be gay and he gets really stressed out about that and, and the napping <laughs> episode where which one is it? is it Chana and Joey who are napping together I think it's Ross and Joey it's Ross and Joey yeah. Yeah. which is funny because they are like not friends yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they nap together um, yeah and then they both get really uncomfortable about it and then they both actually want to try it and it's kind of slightly satirical but I think now you do get a bit on edge I think all of us maybe when we went back to watch the earlier seasons were a bit worried that actually it might actually be just quite offensive and quite yeah. Yeah. Um, prejudiced in its outlook but I don't know I think that when I went back I found that it wasn't quite as I thought it would be that there is a there's this acceptance I think that the characters do have limitations on their um kind of acceptance of others and they do have huge hang-ups but I also think that the format of the six of them is used to really send that up so I mean there's an episode where Ross and Rachel which actually quite later on get a male nanny which Ross is unbelievably uncomfortable with and essentially wants to sack this guy from the get-go just because he's a guy but then what actually happens is that it becomes clear that this is because of Ross's dad's attitudes when he was growing up and that he was shouted at for being a sissy and told not to play with dinosaurs and to be a real boy and all this stuff weirdly the nanny is still sacked at the end which I found really uncomfortable the ultimate resolution is still like yeah this guy's a bit weird yeah and it is obviously like a plot point rather than like someone who's actually allowed to just have that job because that's normal but I think that the use of these issues of political correctness is quite interesting because it's quite discursive. So 
you learn a lot about the characters' outlooks and they do change in their outlook. Yeah, there's a similar thing. It's probably a bit more frivolous, but when Ross is really stressed out about Ben having a doll... And he keeps oh, yeah. trying to show him action men and, and dinosaurs and, toys, and stuff. Cars and and everyone, every single character, the men and the women, are like, Ross, why are you making such a big deal? They don't even like pay that much attention to him stressing out about this. And I think that's an example, like Barbara was saying, of the other characters being used to show up the prejudices of some of the characters that they have. And I think there's a similar thing that happens when Chandler and Monica have started going out and... They sort of a few months into their relationship and Chandler suddenly freaks out about the idea that Monica might want children. He just gets it in her head that she's obsessed with having babies. Yeah. And then in a similar way, he's just completely shown up and Monica's like, no. And there's no yeah. sort of stereotyping. And I think it's worth remembering the framing of the programme as well. So when it was launched, obviously none of us were <laughs> at an age where we could be critically thinking about this, but <laughs> it was actually quite a boundary pushing show in that these were young people without proper jobs there was quite a lot of swearing and sex the fact that the women so monica sleeps with someone on a first date quite early in the first series and that was actually quite a it wasn't necessarily a first for mainstream television but the fact that she's not mocked for it she's not shown as being yeah. particularly easy or anything i think they all have like these residual prejudices from their upbringings but actually they are living quite a progressive modern life and that was the real starting point for the program. And again, so early on, there's a plot about, um, I think it's Phoebe's friend who needs to come out as straight, having been gay, yeah. which is actually quite a long way forward in the presentation of gay characters. In that it's quite funny. It's, a, it's an inversion of an accepted process. But at that time, again, you wouldn't have had that many people coming out on TV yeah, in definitely. sitcoms. And again, it's this is obviously a secondary character. All six of the main characters are white and straight. And end up in incredibly traditional relationships. But for its time, I think it's actually a lot better than maybe we give it credit yeah, for. Yeah, and I think even the very premise of it, that there, there's this group of friends who are in their 20s and some of them are men and some of them are women. But at the beginning, I don't think any of them are seeing each other or romantically interested in one another. I don't think, apart from obviously Ross's long-term crush on Rachel. But I think yeah. they, I think that the very premise of them not being like sexually involved they're just friends and they just hang out and, and that's quite a non-traditional yeah, relationship to have on yeah. tv yeah and you don't see that that often and you have like nice little things that like, i've noticed from re-watching it all that chanda and rachel have lunch quite a lot like work, work when they're at work they go and have lunch together and stuff that's and, nice and yeah. they have the issue with the episode with the pie yes which i love yeah 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 Where, and yeah anything that i mean there's a really great thing on slate which someone spent an inordinate amount of time doing in which charts how many scenes each of the characters spend with each other i think maybe there are some which are far less than others so certain combinations i can't remember off the top of my head but will have had like only like 0.5 percent of scenes spent together mm. but what's surprising is that each pair or trio or four do have scenes together that it is meant to be that each has like a very particular relationship to each of the mm. others and again male female friendship i mean i suppose it's disappointing that most of the male characters are kind of linked to the female characters at one time like mm. monica and joey have a kind of free song when they first meet is it just shana and rachel that don't i think possibly obviously ross and monica couldn't yeah. <laughs> so I mean Chandler's whole joke is that he's so useless and awkward with women and I think again that ends up having some slightly uncomfortable less politically correct moments where he's I don't know he's kind of judgmental of women he kind of can't talk to them and stuff. but that is slightly balanced by the fact that he's so kind of comfortable and respectful of his female friends yeah I mean there's there are some bits that still feel like a bit of a problem to me the one the one that I still think is like bad and I think this just reflects the time more than anything else is the whole thing with Chandler's dad and the idea that like Chandler's dad by having a sex change yeah. is like 
traumatized his child terribly yeah. and like yeah essentially ruined his life and, I, and while i think you're right even in like the whole thing with the male nanny even though they fire him in the end the punchline is they're ridiculous people they can't cope with it like that's you're still laughing at rachel and ross in that scenario but with chandler's dad it always feels like chandler's at the end of the day seen as the victim yeah and the reaction from the other friends is always sympathy rather than like yeah they're not like well that's so cool yeah yeah Yeah. i mean even the fact that his mom is like a sexually active 50 year old or whatever is seen as being hugely damaging to him yeah his whole relationship with his parents is very yeah they're not really allowed to yeah have like a full sexual life but there is that one episode where monica says like your you know your dad or slash mum should come to your wedding and takes chandler to see the show and stuff but i still feel like even in that whole plot line the idea is like yes this is like a bad thing that happens that you have to like try and get over yeah and it's kind of helping him through it rather than making him learn a lesson even his attempt to kind of ruin his own wedding because he hates his surname so much that's basically the reason when he's like oh i don't want to be the bings because my parents are so yeah when he goes missing and you're yeah and he he clearly (laughs) cannot see his own parents as being people yeah what do you think of the treatment of carol and susan's relationship because i always think that there's a lot of cheap comedy derived from the fact that they're a lesbian couple like i was watching an episode recently where joey is entering an audition with ben to be father and son and joey's like isn't it a bit weird that i would be seen as ben's dad and then chandler's like weirder than seeing their mums making out and it's a bit like there's a lot of stuff like that and i know it's yeah more of its time than really being like intentionally homophobic but i do find that stuff jarring yeah it depends where the laugh is doesn't it because if the laugh is like how ridiculous for ross to be insecure about that when gay people are fine and obviously something that no one should have a problem with or whether the laugh is like, yeah, but he's got two gay mums. Isn't that like yeah, a funny thing? Exactly. And it's yeah. it's yeah. sometimes you don't quite know which side of the coin it's falling on. But it's equally, I mean, they are probably the most prominent gay characters in the entire programme. Yeah, so definitely. there's also the fact that they're there from episode one as a reality, as seen within modern life, which I think is good. Yeah, I think they're cheap jokes sometimes. They and are then often used the kind to send of, up yeah. Ross, aren't yeah, they? they, they are, often yeah. used... Usually he's the punchline. And it's yeah. the kind of quite clever scenario in which Ross, this kind of comes out when they attempt to have a threesome with this woman from Carol's gym. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's oh, then kind right, of left out of the threesome. But it, that, I, find, I think, is actually quite a clever plotline because it shows that he's so obsessed with his own sexuality and the idea that a threesome with two women is so sexy that he can't even see... Because it is ridiculous that he wouldn't have had any idea yeah. or seen what his wife's sexuality was despite allegedly so having been with her since, essentially, childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it's never really kind of brought out into the open, but that is quite an interesting way for them to have done it, I think. Yeah. Mm. I also think they are shown to be a very like strong and good and happy couple. It's yeah. not like... Yeah, they're the sorted ones and Ross yeah. is like the neurotic yeah. one. <laughs> and it's not like Carol is like, oh, actually, that was just a phase because I hated you. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm I'm gay. And yeah. like, we're parents. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And they definitely are shown to be the better better child carers. <laughs> and the yeah, prime, prime. Yeah, yeah. As in, yeah. when does Rossi then after the <laughs> <like> series? Do we think it's realistic how whitewashed New York is? Or do we just think it reflects the fact that they would like only have like each other as friends? <laughs> yeah, it's hard because <laughs> there are so few. I mean, they definitely don't date many no, or at any. All. They don't seem to meet The anyone. only other characters are people they're dating, generally. They don't yeah. have any yeah, other friends. Yeah, that's true. 
it's just complete absence, really. Yeah, it's, it's, I can't even think of any mention. I don't think there's even that race. much discussion of race in it either. No, not at all. There's um, no. It's just like it's a it's a thing that doesn't exist there. I mean, yeah. Uh, Helen and John have talked about how it's a bit of a fantasy landscape. The makers have been like, yeah, like in our in this kind of New York, everyone's white. Yeah, I mean, yeah. saying that Ross does date two women who aren't white yeah but again his relationship with them is so messed up yeah um, they're, they're like charlie's a great character she is yeah and, and she is introduced amazing. quite late in the series it's almost a bit yeah. like they're like oh fuck like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> these people you know these people exist and can be like three-dimensional she then goes out with two of the friends as though to <laughs> yeah, improve just, just, the quote <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i do think where the show falls down is less in these like big plot lines about like my ex-wife is gay but more in the like little moments so like oh we're going in for a hug but we won't do that because it's like gay. yeah like yeah. It's, it's it's more the throwaway comments to me that are more revealing of the time because you just wouldn't have those throwaway jokes in something now you'd have yeah, to like deal with it not properly. That funny yeah exactly. and also the the male obsession with the idea of their female friends making out and that that crops yeah. up quite a lot and that it is, is a bit so more, childish yeah. isn't it yeah you wonder if it was a conscious decision to make the women more forward thinking than the men because they are kind of fairly unashamed in their sexual openness and the men do occasionally make jokes about them being kind of easy but that just makes them look stuck up and kind of repressed yeah. because again the women are actually far more successful sexually than either ross or chandler really that someone's yeah, done a true. graph of the kind of cumulative sexual partners of everyone over the series, and Joey's obviously way up yeah. there, but um, the women do slightly outperform the men, which is actually, if it was intentional, it is quite funny and does slightly explain those male characters' kind of awkwardness and backwardness. Yeah. And people do often talk about the 90s as being like a time of complete male anxiety, like why yeah. lads mags were mm. so popular again, because men were quite like, oh yeah, like yeah. boobs, love them, <laughs> uh, yeah. and maybe that maybe what these characters are sometimes showing as well is although i'm sure there are genuinely lots of homophobic lines in friends at the same time there's also a bit of a like look at these ridiculously insecure men and the women yeah. are often shown to be like guys get it together so in general we think not as bad as we thought it was going to be in terms of political yeah. correctness there are some big standout like sore thumb moments mm. but, but in- there are also quite important moments of discussion or kind of moving forward of ideas about gender or sexuality that i think are of value as well keep characters. your expectations yeah. low and you'll be pleased exactly <laughs> this doesn't have to be so sad though you know Maybe instead of just thinking about how much you're going to miss each other, you should, like, think about some of the things that you're not going to miss. I don't think there's anything. Come on, there's got to be something. She's perfect. I have one. Great, okay, you can go first. Uh, Well, I guess I'm not going to miss the fact that you're never allowed to move the phone pen. You can't really talk about friends without talking about friendship, so that's what we're going to discuss right now. The main question on my mind is, how good is this show at portraying real-life friendships? And there's a lot of people who seem to re-watch Friends looking back and say, oh, actually, as the series goes on, this becomes a lot less about a group of actual real friends and a lot more about, like, one-dimensional characters having their, like, one-liners. I don't know how far we think that's true. 
I think it's true to the extent of what activities they do together, but maybe that might be something to do with their age as well as the fact that the tone of the show slightly changes. So they're often doing wacky things together in the earlier series, like they go and play that football game. They make these weird, like, fireball, they make games, and, and Phoebe <laughs> makes that little doll's house, and they do really weird stuff together. Phoebe throws that party for Rachel where she buys loads and loads of cups. And I think that they're, they're a bit more goofy, and they do kind of those things that you do do when... It's sort of like a thing that you do at university, you know, when you've got a lot of time on your hands and a lot of friends who live really nearby and you just hang out and do stupid things because you've got a lot of time on your hands. So for you, that's more believable. So I think that's more believable. But then maybe as they grow up, they do that less and that's natural too. And this definitely seems to be what's happening in other related or kind of comparable TV shows. So Girls is suffering from the same problem at the moment, right? Whereas you grow up and you establish a job and a partner and external relationships, that setup of a core group of friends can't really be maintained with a group of characters in their 30s because your life isn't like that. Yeah, no, and they also, I think, I feel like they go on more trips together in the earlier series as well, like they go to that beach house, yeah, yeah. And with all the sand on the floor, and then they also go on a skiing trip, which is awkward because Ross and Rachel have just broken up, and they do a few more things like that that I think are more realistic when you're portraying a sort of group of really close friends and they stop doing that I think in the future series yeah there's that very awkward trip where they go to Ross's conference oh yeah and yeah Joey yeah. and Rachel have the kind of frisson there but it's it has a very different that's right tonal... in the end though isn't it yeah, yeah and that's, that's really but I think that's more a vehicle for all of the awkward relationship breakups they have to all be in one place yeah. again so they have to yeah yeah so I think that's less similar to the guys let's take a trip and then they all kind of just bundle into a car and they argue and they play games and they I think that Joey tries to make them play strip poker and he, he succeeds yeah. in playing and he wakes up with yeah. the sand as a mermaid yeah. 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 <laughs> so do we have like favorite relationships out of the I mean what is the possible number of pairings in that? six six factorial yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, what, what are people's favorite ones it didn't used to be my favorite which I will talk about <laughs> later on but my favorite friendship is probably Rachel and Monica because I think that's quite a nuanced deeper one than some of the others they argue quite a lot which I think doesn't happen as much between Joey and Chandler in a serious way but they also have quite a nice way that they live together so I think they put like I remember one of the scenes where they, one of them puts a blanket on the other because one of yeah, them's upset that's quite cute. and there are just little moments that make it quite realistic I really enjoyed a lot of their arguments as well because yeah. they've got the They've got the argument about the lamp, yeah. which I really like. Yeah. It's very early on, isn't it? Yeah. Where like Rachel's like, you know what? I'm gonna have this. What, does she breaks the lamp. She takes it. Yeah, she takes it from Mr. Heckle's house after he dies. If it, Monica accidentally breaks it. Is it covered in shells? Is it's that yeah. covered in shells, and it's got like a hula girl on the bottom. I want. No, that's, no, that's a different piece of. Yeah, see, that's what she gets in the rubbish. end instead, like yeah. as a, as a uh, yeah. peace offering. But I like that because that is the kind of thing that with friends that you otherwise get on with, you might have an argument about yeah. something like that. About like, hang on, you think this flat is yours when actually it's our flat. Yeah. That is the kind of thing that you might argue about. Similarly. When they're leaving the flat, where and, they're, and uh, they're they're talking about all the things they're going to miss, and they're getting really weepy. And Phoebe, out of jealousy or something, is like, "What are you guys, not going to miss? Like, can you not be so depressing? What are you not going to miss?" Yeah. And then they and then they're like, "Oh, nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing at all." And then one of them is just like, 
actually, I guess I won't miss the phone pen. And you're like, oh my God, that is so something. That's yeah, so with something, your friends, yeah. isn't it? When you'd you be live like, with people. Oh no, you're absolutely fine. I love living with you. Apart from how like, <laughs> you never do your washing up. It's really funny. I actually don't care. But like, I really care. Can you not do that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then taking the trash out. Rachel's like never taken the rubbish yeah, out before. Ever. And then she has this really odd experience when she tries to do it. But also, I, I like the episode where they, one of them bumps Ben's head and they have to try and like get through the day together. And I really like that because they're kind of like new parents together in a way and yeah. they're bickering but they're also absolutely terrified and then they both try and bang their heads against this the side and they're both worried because they've both got quite you know not difficult but like they've got their own tensions in their relationships with ross yeah so exactly like obviously yeah. monica is the sister and rachel is the is she the girlfriend at the time i think she's the girlfriend she is, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's definitely i mean it's interesting because that i guess not necessarily in the 90s but that's still a relatively recent thing that you'd expect you're going to spend your 20s living with someone you're not related to mm. yeah and to portray that relationship and how it becomes that kind of family unit is so yeah and it yeah. becomes infected with a tension that might not otherwise exist if all you do is like go to nice go and spend nice yeah. time together yeah. yeah yeah what about you stephanie do you have a favorite I, I was gonna say the same but i'm also really interested in phoebe and joey as mm. a relationship because they are never a couple and they don't, apart from the Joey Rachel thing, which I just find quite awkward, they're never really involved in a couple in the relationship. Yeah. But they're really good friends, and you kind of see hints of them doing that kind of zany, stupid stuff mm. quite late on in the series. And I know there was some suggestion that the actors kind of said it should be in there that they were sleeping together all along, just in a very low-key, friends-with-benefits mm. sort of way. But when I go back and watch it and watch that kind of tight, friendship that's slightly indefinable i find it more interesting again more interesting than i did when i first watched it when i was 11 or whatever and then i feel like with them you could believe that they would emotionally support each other through quite a lot of things even if you don't necessarily see that many on screen i mean i have a kind of wider theory that joey's one of the most emotionally literate of the friends <laughs> in the series <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. he tends he tends to kind of not have that same bitter sort of masculinity which Chandler and Ross have slightly more and um, yeah actually they're probably the two characters with the least hang-ups aren't they they they're kind of quite straightforward they don't seem yeah. to have that many issues in spite of the um, actual Phoebe's issues parents, Phoebe's, you know yeah. Phoebe's mum killing herself and and I don't think Joey has that many I think he feels a bit insecure because he feels he, like he's more stupid than the others yeah. and he does it, when that person comes around to sell him a dictionary and you actually yeah. get an insight into the way that Joey feels a lot of the time when he's among his friends and they're having their fast paced witty yeah. discussions and he can't really I have join to say them. you don't see any of those on screen like, no in that, in that fantasy <laughs> no. they're all talking about politics but like from for the viewer like there could have been no events no of any significance exactly. between 1994 <laughs> and like yeah, yeah, they never talk about the yeah. news yeah. 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 but it but it because um, there is that episode where Phoebe is with her sister and realises she's actually 30. She thinks she's oh, yeah. about to turn 30 and then her sister's lied about their date of birth or something mm. or, or failed to inform her they're actually 31. And it's Joey who kind of steps up and helps her through her list of things to do before you're 30 oh, yeah. and kisses her outside the cafe. And, and she teaches him guitar, even though it ends up being and an French, argument. And French, even does, though yeah, they end up being... Yeah, yeah. That joke they're quite when... generous with each other. Yeah. And there's that joke when Monica and Chandler just think about Joey's like emotional literacy, where they are adopting uh, and they get Joey to write a letter and it looks like a child's written it, but it's still like very emotionally like perceptive because it's like these are all the reasons why they'd be a good parent, and it's yeah. just and it's like very accurate and and heartwarming. Yeah. But so although maybe on the surface he seems infantile, he's actually like more perceptive than most of the. Mm. quote adults in the thing and I really like that side of him as a character because I feel as it progresses and it becomes Joey is stupid 
it slightly lets him down. In the earlier series, he's not the brightest, but he's got kind of... I always think of that episode where the wizard is coming to town and they're going to go party oh, yeah. with Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> and they sort of go, didn't you read Lord of the Rings in high school? And he's like, no, I, I had sex in high school. I had friends. <laughs> but he's, he's got a kind of more multifaceted... Yeah. 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 So do we think that reflects something that a lot of people talk about with this show, which is the idea that our, our lovely, warm characters are just reduced to stereotypes by the end? What are your thoughts on that? I think there is some truth in that. I think they do end up being more like individuals who do one-liners that are in keeping with their characters. I think it does turn into a bit of that, but because they shake things up with the relationships, with Rachel and Joey and with Charlie coming in and Mike coming in, I suppose... I don't think it matters that much because we've got new things for the characters to deal with. So mm. I suppose it doesn't matter that they're not doing as realistic friendship scenarios as they used to be doing because we already know them by this point as well. Yeah, you've just rewatched almost every episode, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell? Yeah. So do you think the quality does significantly drop off or would you actually argue that it doesn't? It's a bit difficult to say when you're rewatching it because you're anticipating all the episodes and the storylines that you really like but mm. I would say I prefer the earlier series on the whole the one, on okay. the whole yeah fair enough and what do you think Stephanie about the yeah, character yeah I think the same thing and actually I was quite surprised I, I went back and kind of watched some of series one or, or series two and I was quite surprised how multifaceted those earlier series are having watched it kind of when it was on tv up to the end when I went back I went oh these are very different kind of more nuanced mm. but you're right it's because all of the conflict is is internal at the start so it's got to be about personality clashes in that group and then as it opens up yeah you're not so focused on that yeah I think there are points where they can handle that kind of stuff quite well so one of the moments that I feel like everyone remembers and loves is the argument that Chandler and Joey are having where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes <laughs> as the opposite of what, hiding his clothes or something? Um, yeah. Chandler takes some of his clothes and he's like, I'm going to do the opposite of that and ends up putting all of Chandler's clothes on. Oh, yeah. And that is a moment where it is really about like reducing characters to stereotypes because he's doing a Chandler impression and he's like, could I be wearing yeah. any more clothes? And that's it. But it's funny because... The argument that they're actually having is quite specific to their relationship and is quite there it feels like while there is like a joke that one of them is making about the bare bones of another one's character there is something slightly more nuanced going on at the same time yeah i quite like it because it's quite knowing as well so you, yeah. it's, it's almost like the writers are saying to the audience we know that you know some of it's a bit silly and and that these characters can sometimes have quite repetitive ticks that are a bit cheap yeah. but they do sort of acknowledge that quite often mm. um like even with monica's cleaning sometimes it's it's sort of so extreme but it's almost like a joke with the audience rather than a joke in the series yeah and I, I think a lot of what keeps you watching a show like friends is familiarity yeah and that's the whole point it's like oh yeah all well, these these people that know each other so well like you do the audience because yeah. you spent so much time with them right yeah, and I think it's a, another moment which I think a lot of people enjoy is the episode where they wager their apartment and do the quiz show. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a very Definitely. similar kind of knowingness of how many categories of towel does Monica have? She's got 11 different types of towel. But it's that same... Yeah, and I think with the who knows what Chandler... Chandler's job is I think that's a joke with the audience because it's like yeah I know we ne they never go to work no one knows what they actually yeah. do and it's kind of like a joke with the audience rather than a joke among the friends that they don't know what their friend does I think yeah because a lot of these punchlines depend on the fact that which I think was the main aim of friends as a show is that you feel like you are the seventh friend yeah so like yeah. when yeah. people someone says oh Monica has 11 categories of towel you're like yeah we know that about Monica guys yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's so like that so as long as they keep making you feel that way 
yeah. than they're doing it right. I think. And also there are bits where um, one of them will go, shouldn't all of you guys be at work now? And then there's another bit where um, it's like, oh, we should invite people around for a party and then they... Or, or like the phone rings and they count the number of friends <laughs> yeah. who are in the room. And it, I think those are really good knowing jokes about like, yeah, we're not breaking this format. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah, this is such a... Yeah. Yeah. It's never going to happen. What? You and Rachel. You waited too long to make your move, and now you're in the friend zone. Now I'm joined by Stephen and Stephanie, and we're going to talk about the legacy of friends. Starting off with things we say because they were in friends. Could this be any more of a way to end the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's so definitely awful. one. I mean, just generally snark, right? The, the mode idea of speaking snark. in that kind of sarcastic register yeah. to your friends... I'm sure that does predate Friends. Has that been influenced by sitcoms and by Friends? And Well, I think, you know, it's in Seinfeld and stuff as well, but I think as one of the biggest sitcoms of all time, Friends definitely brought that to a primary school near you. Yeah, and I guess it kind of it coincided with, at least in the UK, and I know many seriously listeners are not in the UK, but here Starbucks arrived in the UK basically at the same yeah. time mm-hmm. that Friends uh, made it big in the UK. And I suspect without wishing to throw any shade at the good people at the Starbucks coffee company, then without friends, Starbucks would not have been as successful. Yeah, I think that's probably fair, because I remember being a teenager when Starbucks was first in the UK, or almost a teenager, and it being suddenly very cool to go and have a frappuccino in Starbucks, yeah, which I think it is, had yeah. the big armchairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, which, could, yeah <laughs> exactly, which somehow just made you feel like you were in Friends, even yeah. though obviously it's not a Starbucks In my Friends. bit of East London, we had a bootleg coffee shop called Roasters, uh, which was kind of like a bootleg Starbucks. And it wasn't very good, but we thought we were very sophisticated <laughs> uh, by hanging out there. But there's also more specific things, because I know Caroline and I have both read a blog post on the Oxford Dictionary's blog about specific phrases that have made their way into our common parlance, the most obvious of which is friend zone. Yeah, whose earliest usage is in Friends. The idea of putting someone in the friend zone, which is a Ross and Rachel at one point says she's put you in the friend zone, which, you know, she didn't adhere to. Maybe she should have done, but... (laughs) (laughs) See a previous section of this podcast. But Friends also, as well as just the language, it had legacy implications in terms of, like, fashion and the way people hung out and everything right yeah i mean the the rachel haircut is the most obvious example of this yeah, <laughs> now Stephen, you'd not heard of this this was like a woman thing right yeah so i thought when we were talking about when i think of a rachel if you ask me what rachel's haircut was i think of her it is the iconic rachel which is the hair down to i'm unhelpfully gesturing to a part of my body <laughs> on a radio format uh yeah the hair down past her chest um very kind of just a classic long blonde hair so I think of that as the Rachel so you call that the iconic Rachel you could not be more wrong yeah whereas the iconic (laughs) Rachel is the like short flicky fringy one right she got in like season six no way earlier no it was like four wasn't it yeah Yeah. and it's got those awful kind of 90s bangs like strands that make everyone who's not Jennifer Aniston look like a choir boy well it's shorter than shoulder length yeah Yeah. it kind of flicks out but it's the one that every magazine told you you should get but then by the end she goes back to the longer one Mm, yeah Yeah. 
series 10 in the last shot she has that long yeah, I'm, nice. I'm, I'm also now gesturing the so same like, as so like boob height that's what boob we're talking height. about it's yeah, boob yeah. height yeah and, and Jennifer Aniston hated the haircut and thought it looked awful on her so I'm, I'm not sure why this is the thing that we went that's a great bit of fashion in Friends the thing I find really distracting about fashion in Friends which obviously has not been influential is how badly dressed Chandler is I actually it <laughs> doesn't really spoil my enjoyment of some episodes you know, the ones where he's just like wearing so many colours on his chest. Oh, no. When you say badly dressed, you mean he's wearing probably quite expensive clothes, but they are in bad taste, or he's actually wearing, like, sweatpants? No, I mean, he's wearing what are probably fairly expensive clothes, but they either they would never work, or it's like a brown sweater vest with a green striped shirt, or, you know, like, he has a lot of really unpleasant colour combinations and a lot of really unpleasant outfit combinations. And, I mean, to be honest... You've basically got to be a very attractive man to wear a sweater vest, and even then you shouldn't. <laughs> but the sweater vests aren't actually the really bad Chandler thing. Yeah, Stephanie just I attempted have, to check if Stephen was wearing, wearing one. A okay. It's very good, but this one yeah. has arms. <laughs> well, there's actually the women's fashion in Friends I love, and that's one of the real joys of going back and watching the series again, is seeing Rachel in kind of tartan skirts and sweaters and things that look very 90s but very kind of cool and yeah. unaffordable on and their jobs all, but... all of the long skirts they wear as well like in the early series that that was a real moment that like, needs to come yeah. back <laughs> the long skirt there's also the kind of tv industry legacy of friends right because it made a fantastic amount of money it both for the network and for its stars it sort of both made and broke their careers in a weird way and they've never really any of them escaped from it but it does mean that I still think pretty much every sitcom that comes out from, I don't know, like the Big Bang Theory to Girls, it's like, is this the new Friends? In some ways, it's only similar to what happens in publishing or whatever. Yeah, everyone's yeah. a new Harry Potter and new Hunger Games or in film. As I understand it, you were saying before we started, Tina Fey had this experience with 30 Rock. Yeah, she writes about this in her autobiography that when she was kind of leaving SNL and she'd been asked by NBC, I think, if she wanted to pitch an idea for a sitcom, she pitched 30 Rock, which is like a zany workplace sketch show almost. It's not even really a sitcom. And they were like, can it be the new Friends though? And she was like, no, because it's different in every aspect. It happens to also be in New York, but it could equally be in Chicago or LA. And they were like, can it be the new Friends? <laughs> I mean, I know that the Big Bang Theory is popular among some people, and I'm assured that they can't all be evil. But, you know, obviously that's been wildly successful. How I Met Your Mother, which I also think is fairly... Dyer, never seen it. It has Neil Patrick Harris in it, right? Yeah. And Willow. I, c- I could yeah. never get into that, but again, I know it has huge... Or, always Sunny in Philadelphia, all of these yeah, kind the, of things. Yeah, they're all like... ones where you've got sort of cohabiting adults, right? Yeah. That's, that's the, the commonality. And that's presumably partly why these things get commissioned, because that worked before so it'll work again and it is a really powerful format because i think of something like i'm a big fan of frasier but having that kind of one central apartment obviously you have frasier and his dad and you have to then have daphne working there but it still doesn't quite have that same natural throwing together of characters that mm. you get in friends where it is primarily but set in the apartment so i uh, i reread uh, this weekend the original pitch document for friends and uh, it was originally called the insomnia cafe and it was pitches being like no show you've ever seen before which I suppose it was like no show yeah. Yeah. you've seen before. The interesting thing is, originally the Gellers were working class. So Monica was like a hard New York chef, and Ross was like the one who'd made something of himself. They could have kept that class dynamic. It would speak to the slightly bizarre dynamic in Friends, where apart from that one episode when they argue about not having enough money and Monica loses her job, the cash differentials between the six of them are basically not really mentioned. 
the thing I find interesting about the kind of friendification of the rest of sitcoms is I think oddly there are lots of things friends got away with than they possibly got away with almost by accident mm. in the, the fact that Ross and Rachel goes on for so long I suspect that is part of the problem with Scrubs with New Girl where they kind of tried to create a Ross, and Rachel. A Ross yeah. and Rachel and it doesn't work and actually a lot of the, the, the thing that Friends does spectacularly well is you don't lose patience with Ross and Rachel mm. actually and this is the thing I kind of like about girls in that Adam Driver's characters. He also called Adam in the yeah, in is. the show yeah, yeah. that they're not still together. That no. you think they were going to have that kind of Ross and Rachel style romance, and then it ended as it should have done. Yeah, I think Girls is probably the most successful post Friends yeah. Friends of it. Partly because I think I mean one, I think it cleverly plays with your expectations post Friends. One with Friends, there's very much a oh. You know, I'm such a Joey. I know I'm not a Joey, but let's just let the audience know. No, you're a Chandler. Yeah, there's the like, oh, I'm such a Joey. Oh, Stephanie's a Phoebe. Yeah, all that kind of thing. Whereas if you if you have a girl's character you identify with, you probably miss the point of girls a little bit. That they're all awful. They're all yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah, they're all pretty terrible. You sort of yeah. identify with, with aspects of them, but you, you wouldn't ever, you know, I would never want to be a Hannah Horvath. I remember this coming up. In, in kind of my circle of friends very quickly and that somebody went, nobody I know would ever get together with Booth Jonathan. <laughs> and then you went, oh no, oh no, they would. And it's you. Yeah. <laughs> the last bit I wanted to talk about on the Friends Legacy is episodes and the fact that Matt LeBlanc is still playing Joey in another sitcom. Have you seen episodes? I have not seen it. Have you seen it? You've seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So the premise of episodes is that Tamsin Greig and Stephen Mangan are British TV writers. They have a, a kind of hit kind of history boy style sitcom here it wins loads of BAFTAs it stars Richard Griffiths it gets bought by a studio in LA and they end up through lots of like horrible twists remaking it in America called Pucks about an ice hockey team (laughs) (laughs) and they get Matt LeBlanc to do the Richard Griffiths role as the like main adult character in it and the show is terrible they have a horrible time in LA everything is terrible but the whole thing is a meta-commentary on Matt LeBlanc's post-Friends career, and he is totally complicit in this, to the point where there is actually a scene in one of the series finales where David Schwimmer guest stars in it, where basically Matt LeBlanc's run out of money, and he accepts one of those dodgy like million dollars from a prince of Dubai or something to go and appear at his birthday party, only to discover that David Schwimmer is there and he's been paid $1.5 million. <laughs> you know, which that's... is which is for our, for our listeners who don't know a great callback to the David Schwimmer initially being paid more and the more group reading exactly. You know what I mean? It's, negotiating their wages. It's it's a kind of it's just friends again. Yeah, I mean, episodes is such a, a, a clever but also good show in that the I think it would still be funny if you hadn't by some miracle watched friends. Oh yeah, um, it it just is like the best sort of meta pop culture stuff. It's just an added layer if you like that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you can still enjoy it. But yeah, I suppose you could argue that Jennifer Aniston is still playing Rachel in every rom-com in that she's in. Yeah. But it's not quite it's not a, so deliberately yeah. self-referential. Like the whole Friends exists in the universe of episodes. Like that's the reason they want to hire Matt LeBlanc for this sitcom is because he was in Friends, you know. Can I just say, because I'm not sure we've done enough things in this in this podcast <laughs> to get angry tweets sensitive, 
People need to get over the possibility of a friends reunion. Yeah, I don't want it to happen. It would. I mean, I, I'm I'm relieved that this one, which people were covering as one, is in fact not. It's a clip yeah. show. Mm. I mean, a friends reunion. It just would be the one which we all pretend is not canon afterwards. Yeah. You know, like the the one which ruins all the, the memories. Harry Potter epilogue of Friends. Yeah, it just. I mean, I think yeah. Friends a reunion. Few, what reunion? That'd <laughs> be the fan fiction tag. Achieved the remarkable feat, I think of a show which went out at a time of its choosing, which, yes, after Chandler and Monica get married, the quality takes a dip, mm. but it takes a dip from being laugh-out-loud funny to, <laughs> you know, to effectively yeah. a joke you wouldn't kick out of bed. And it kind of <laughs> it achieved that. It just seemed such a shame to sully that with some ghastly TV movie. I don't get the impression that the cast have much appetite yeah. to do it. It just... Who... I guess it's just the media, whatever that is, wanting it. I think but, that's us, actually. Yeah, so that's what, let's just say now, like, we don't want it. No friends reunion. That's, that's it. We're done. So now we're all going to talk a little bit about the characters in Friends that we've changed our minds about the most. Caroline, is there any characters in Friends that you feel like you've done a 180 on? I think early Rachel would be my answer. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about Rachel until maybe nearly the end of season one, the first time I watched it through. Kind of had zero interest in her backstory and didn't really get involved with her until she started having proper episode-by-episode storylines once she really got integrated and became a friend rather than just like someone Monica was letting stay with her mm-hmm. while she was having a problem kind of thing. Yeah, so really just never gave much thought to the fact that she'd made this massive life decision on the spur of the moment and like run out of her entire life whereas now having gone back through and watched it I kind of was annoyed because we didn't get more about that like she had this whole life planned out she was going to marry this guy she was going to you know do all of these things that she'd always wanted and suddenly she was like no I can't I can't do it I this guy is boring I don't feel anything for him I want more for myself and that's really interesting what about you Anna? Yeah so I think I used to feel quite sorry for Gunther in his like loving of Rachel Mm. and there's so many jokes where it's like oh he got friend zoned and now I'm like you're a creep (laughs) like you're actually just weird and stalkery and like you know when he does things like buys the cat Mm. to try and like lure her into his apartment and things like that you're like actually you're weird this is not like I, I shouldn't feel sorry for you you need to just get over it and like find someone in your life and how he, he lets her think for ages that she's much better at her terrible waitressing job than she is <laughs> yeah. to sort of keep her there, which is quite creepy. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is a bit messed up. My favourite character in Friends was, of course, Chandler. Uh, who could imagine what I could possibly see in a socially awkward person who keeps making jokes to deflect attention towards themselves and to worry about having to say anything too emotionally deep. I did have a slight revision on that when I met Matthew Perry at the age of about 19 when he came to speak at the Oxford Union. And I, I, at the time, I kind of casually called it the day that my childhood died because he was he was just a guy. He was, you know, somebody that I'd spent a huge amount of emotional investment in. had a lot of posters probably ripped out of the centrepieces of magazines. And, you know, he was a really very sweet and very charming, but very normal person. And it was a good lesson about the existence of the concept of acting, which I probably shouldn't have been that surprised about at the time. But I was. So, John... Which aspect of friends have you changed your mind about the most? I used to think that when you're in your mid-twenties, you're really old. And now I no longer think that because I'm rather older. But genuinely, I used to think that this was a period of your life in which you were being, you were grown up, you were responsible. Um, And in retrospect, having now lived through that period of my life, I don't feel like that was even remotely true. I think you're basically still a student 
but just one who has to go to a place and do a job for eight hours a day. I, I think like the whole 20-something thing is basically a continuation of, of your sort of undergraduates, really. So which character have you reassessed since your initial watching? I think it has to be Ross, which I think is partly about growing up. And as a teenager, if, if your partner turned up at your place of work, I worked in a horrible coffee shop, so it, 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 would have, it was just like, oh, you're here, my supervisor's a bit annoyed. But, you know, it was a fairly buoyant economy for rubbish service jobs for teenagers. It wasn't, I didn't really get why it was. Now I see Ross turning up at his partner's place of work and refusing to leave during a crisis. And the idea of someone doing that to me actually makes you want to cry. And you suddenly realise Ross is a monster. <laughs> so the character I most changed my mind on is actually Janice, who I think you're, you're meant to hate. And when I first watched the series as a teenager, I did really hate her. And she is very annoying. <laughs> but as I've got older and gone back to watch her again, I've really admired her emotional honesty, which Chandler definitely does not have when they're in a relationship together. And in fact, a lot of the relationships in Friends are centered around that kind of playing hard to get, nobody being very open with their feelings. Ross and Rachel is, you know, 10 years worth of people just not saying what they actually mean to yeah, each other. Definitely. So going back and looking at her with all of her screeching and hyperbole is actually quite refreshing now. Um, and to realise that she is a character who comes in, is unashamedly interested in someone, makes that clear. And the fact that the, the butt of the joke is that she fancies Chandler and is obvious about it is, is no longer as funny as it once was to me. Yeah, and do you, I feel like Chandler maybe benefits quite a lot from his relationship with Janice, even though he wouldn't admit that. Do you think that? I think it's true, yeah. And he kind of goes back to her to get that sort of emotional worth from her. Um, you know, he has a breakup and will inevitably crawl back to Janice. And there's, um, I don't remember it so well now, but an episode where he ends up giving her a draw and yeah. he goes, oh, maybe I can kind of, and you really feel that this is a rehearsal relationship for something he's actually yeah. going to commit to other people later on. Exactly. Yeah. I think that Monica gets quite a bad rap and people really see her as becoming increasingly kind of one-dimensional as you go through because she's always cleaning and there's a joke about her being fat and there's nothing else to her. Actually, as I rewatched individual episodes, she's like very career driven in that she has this dream job that she wants. She kind of goes through some quite rubbishy jobs to get there. She kind of really nails it, even when her colleagues are horrible to her. She decides to keep her job to remain in New York, even when her husband is kind of moving somewhere else. And also with the whole cleaning and cooking thing, like she is the glue that holds them together. Mm. They have such a nice time because of her. And I think pouring scorn on that is just really harsh and quite sexist. Yeah, so I used to think that she was boring and the one who always had to do organised fun and clean and there wasn't anything else to her. But then when I rewatched it, I had exactly the same feeling. They wouldn't do anything unless she was there. And yeah. she loves and to host swap. and they just make fun of her for it. And then they, when they try to host, they realise that actually she's 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 the better host and she gets that position back. Yeah, um, exactly. And I mean, it's quite disturbing in that same exchange where they kind of swap flats, she then basically passes out from the exhaustion of trying to make yeah. the boys' flat <laughs> habitable so she can then host there. But I think it does just come from her. She is she's kind of knew most of the friends first. She's obviously Joey's sister. She went to school with Rachel. She kind of is there from the very beginning, is very caring towards everyone. And she's kind of the heart of the group, really.
Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes and Tumblr. All the links are at newstatesman.com slash S-R-S-L-Y. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.